to the Houston Astros fan who, due to my comments on Friday, said the Guardians would get swept due to karma, they might want to look up karma and irony. We'll get into a big weekend win and another series victory for the Cleveland Guardians on today's Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a solo, maybe we call this old-timey version of Lockdown Guardians. Uh, I am Jeff Ellis, for those who don't know me, the host for nearly a thousand of these. Uh, Justin is on his honeymoon right now. We will see him in about a week. But what a fun weekend to talk about. We, you can see over on the right, if you were watching on YouTube, kind of the rundown for this. We have a lot of roster moves to talk about from this past weekend. Uh, Shane Bieber going back in time, or should I do it like Huey Lewis, going back in time. Like that, that was terrible. Please ignore that from delete that from your memory. Uh, but let's start with, I mean, this was a, a fun weekend, even if Jose Abreu somehow found life because everyone finds life against Cleveland, but it doesn't matter because Cleveland took two out of three last five series. They're now four Oh and one since they split that series with the twins. Uh, there's still a game and a half behind the twins uh, right now, but you can't be upset with the way they're playing. They're winning series. They're doing what they need to. They're now, Three games over 500 a week ago at this time, uh, or two weeks. Or was it actually? No, it might have been two weeks ago at this time. They were six, seven games under 500, three games under. And you got the Padres. Then the they might still be in first place. I have to look. But earlier this week, Arizona, that's tougher you think. Off day next Monday. And then Oakland to fix what ails you. They don't tell the Brewers that. And also, didn't Oakland just sweep the Brewers? Cleveland still doesn't have a sweep this year. Oakland has done that before cleveland so let's get into these games let's start with a wild affair on friday night 14 innings and if you were like me you thought they blew it in the 12th and the 13th and the 14th until they managed to pull it off uh it's kind of interesting just to look at this game knowing what would come uh in terms of the fact that they used basically the entire bullpen which led to karen check number 99 i probably said his name wrong that's why i call him 99 uh you know, getting sent to the minors. He was the only one who gave up an earned run, by the way, from that bullpen. We'll talk about his sending down and why he's he's been really good of late. So um, it was a little bit of a surprise, but it's also logical. Tune in for that later on in the show. Uh, Logan Allen, first bad start of the year. I think it's safe to say this was not a great start. A lot of 11 base runners in six innings, one home run. Give up most of those in the first, three in the first, that three-run home run to Jose Abreu, I believe there. Uh, bullpen did its job. Uh, Sam Henches gave up two. Those were unearned. Curry gave up one unearned gets the win in this, but overall, I mean, you look through Jose went deep again, his 10th of the year. Finally, if someone with double digit home runs, but he had a double Naylor had a double straw, double Freeman, double Quan, double Brennan, double extra bases galore in this one. Uh, no stolen base attempt, sadly, but you know, everyone was out there. Everyone was doing their part. If I'm going to kick it old school, like how I used to do, if I'm doing three stars for this, one is is Jose, who reached base six times in that game. Three walks, three hits. I didn't even look to see if there's also an intentional walk for him. And he was intentionally walked twice. So I'm sorry, eight times on base for Jose Ramirez. Eight times on base in nine opportunities. That's unbelievable. That's got to raise your on-base percentage, something fierce. Uh, the only other intentional walk in this one, if I go down and pull it up, Went to Will Brennan. They were afraid to face Brennan. He had uh, two hits and a walk, so he got on base four times. 
likely give him one of those player three-star awards that I used to give out a little bit more back in the day. Again, kicking it old school, so I'm going to jump back into those awards. And then I'm just going to give the bullpen one in general. What a performance by the bullpen, keeping it together. I didn't think they were going to win. This is a game all year. They don't win. This is the type of game that they don't keep battling. And boy, did they battle. And yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into a lot of things in this show. But this was the game of the weekend just because of how much they battled. Didn't give up so many times. I thought they were done and then they just weren't done. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to follow. You couldn't help but be just excited if you're still awake. Let's put that caveat. A 14 inning game goes quite long. Uh, what a performance all around. And at the end of the day, who was it? Freeman and Brennan, two of the young guys who set up the game-winning runs in this one. So Saturday's was kind of the, the one that was a little more boring. But Cleveland still, eighth inning, they get two. No, I'm sorry. It was the seventh inning they get two across. Seventh inning, they get two across. It had been 5-1 to get to 5-3. And they even get one in the ninth. Uh, there were some opportunities for a little bit more. But, you know, at the end of the day, this was not after we anointed McKenzie and his previous start, uh, not his strongest overall performance. If we are being honest, he also kind of struggled overall five, you know, five innings for him, the three walks, which when those walks are higher, that's what gets him also gave it the home run 10 base runners means averaging about two base runners per inning. Nice to say, and have a clean inning and then Heron, they called him up because the bullpen was spent pitches three, does give up one earned run, but even if he doesn't give that up, it's still a five to four loss. I'm not going to get mad at him for that one. Uh, he did what he needed to do. He came in and preserved this bullpen, and they needed that. And they didn't win, but it's a solid performance. I didn't want to go back to yesterday's game real quick. The box square bingo, something I used to do all the time. So they had 14 hits in that game, eight walks. That's 22 base runners. And they had three intentional walks. That takes you to 25. Houston had two errors. That's 27. That should average to about nine runs. They had 10. They outperformed. We haven't seen that all year. Other side, 15 hits for Houston and five walks. That's 20. That should be about six to seven runs. So Cleveland should have absolutely won that one. So the Saturday game, going back into it, you had Naylor with three hits. No, two hits. He had three RBIs. Two hits by Jose. Two hits by Brennan. Brennan's been the the man of late, and we'll get into some stats to kind of highlight that. But another strong game for him. Uh, unfortunately, this is the one with no extra base hits. They did have a stolen base in this one. Uh, Zanino with a pass ball and an error. Not ideal. This is one they there were chances. I'm not going to get upset that they took two out of three in this series. Uh, I think I, I would likely give one of the stars to Heron just because, again, he saved the bullpen. The bullpen needed a day off. He ate three innings. 47 pitches. He was almost like a starter because McKenzie only could go five. So you like that. You like Eniel's performance and it, Jose and Naylor would be the other two guys who stand out just in terms of the performance. Well, uh, let's change that Naylor and then probably give it to Quan over a med and credit to a med. The one thing with all of his struggles, he's walking more this year. So we're seeing something positive there. Uh, he reached base twice more than twice. So did Quan Ramirez, Naylor and Gabby Arias, your top, you know, what was that? Your top six guys all reach base multiple times. They just couldn't get it all together at once. Uh, there were chances in that one. There were JP France scattered 13 base runners in six and two thirds. They really should have gotten more off of him. They did not. Uh, that was unfortunate, but that was that one. And then Sunday's game. We got time. Let's knock this one out. Shane Bieber goes back in time in this one. This was a Shane Bieber start that we have not seen all year. Nine K's. 
104 pitches through seven innings, striking fools out left and right. We'll get into some of the advanced data on that uh, later on in the show if there's time. If not, we'll save it for later on the week. But three hits, one walk. Trevor Steffen comes in, allows one hit and strikes out to Emmanuel Classe. No base runners, two Ks. This felt like a 2021 game. Like This was the pitching staff going back in time of year. Uh, and then the offense, five runs. You know, they scattered those through the first six innings, and it was enough. Josh Bell had three hits, including his fifth home run of the year. Andres Jimenez, who left with tightness. Was it forearm tightness? Was it leg tightness? It was tightness. Uh, not what you want to see. He's playing better. His fourth home run of the year. Bell also with a double. Freeman with another double. Quan with a double. Caught stealing for Naylor and Arias. Uh, pick Arias also got. This was a bad game. For, bad day for Arias. Picked off. Caught stealing. Two throwing errors. But you have to be on base, you know, three times to make uh, those many errors on the uh, base pad. So even on a bad day, he still was on base three separate times. Would you like to see? Feels like the first time Brennan was held without a hit or a walk in a very long time. Uh, he is up to a 708 OPS, which is, again, fantastic to see him doing that. Not as many guys for all those hits really reach base multiple times. Quan reached base twice. Arias reached base three times. Freeman twice. Bell three times. And, and that's it. I think your stars in this one have to be Bieber, has to be Bell. And you can kind of debate that third star. Part of me is tempted to give it to Freeman just because he he really hasn't had those opportunities this year. And he had a big game Friday. He's, you know, for the week, he might be a star just for the big hits that came up. Um, you know, maybe these weren't as big because they're already in the lead. But what a weekend for Ty Freeman doing that off the bench role. And he was great in it. And Cleveland takes another series, takes these from the Houston Astros. We're going to get into some individual performances and all the things that happened on the roster after a quick word from some sponsors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I want to take a moment to remind you to check out the upcoming series with the Padres on Sirius XM Radio. Just check, don't check, <laughs> type Guardians, and they will do all the work for you in that one. So I was going to flip over to Baseball Savant very quickly here, and because that's the one thing I didn't pull up. I have about 10 tabs open, and I realized that uh, I did not pull open the Savant tab, which was rather silly of me. Because the big thing that we're going to talk about Shane Bieber and his performance here is like, what's changed? You know, why is he all of a sudden missing uh, pitches? How did he get 14 swings and misses? That is not a Shane Bieber we have seen this year. It's just not. And, you know, when you're going through and you're looking, you're trying to figure this out. You want to see what is shifting for him. And he didn't even have that many hard hit balls. Like Guardians, I mean, that's a lot of red dots over on... Brandon uh, Balaki, Bilak, uh, he just, he didn't quite have it. But yeah, I mean, Bieber was a different player than we've seen. His performance was awesome. And here we go. So his four-seamer, I'm just trying to see, his four-seamer 
the velocity, every single pitch, the velocity is up cutter slider, knuckle curve, and a change up is what was listed. Uh, basically he was fastball cutter slider. And then that knuckle curve, um, spin rates were up on all of those as well. And he, he had some changes to his movement uh, as well, both horse, uh, except for his horizontal on the fastball didn't move in terms of what the whiffs were on. It was the cutter and the slider. Now the cutter hasn't been that great this year. Um, and the slider, I believe is a pitch. We just haven't seen as much from him. Uh, the slider is what made Hunter Gaddis more effective recently. So it's kind of interesting to look at that data, data and see, I mean, his, he had five swings and misses on the uh, forced and on the cutter and five on the slider. That's, I mean, no one else had the max, the, Bilac had with six. So those were really effective pitches for him in terms of what we just have not seen, which is what is getting guys to swing and miss? What is generating the whiffs? Uh, his four seamer still didn't do a whole lot in terms of that. And, but he, the cutter and the slider were the pitches that allowed him to, uh, to be a little bit more effective. The interesting thing is for class A, he had a big jump in his slider velocity and his cutter velocity. Those are both up over a mile per hour. The slider was up two miles an hour more than a year ago. And we've seen more of the slider, but today for him, it was that cutter getting the whiffs. And then the four seam velocity up for Trevor Steffen over a mile per hour. So again, that's a pretty big jump for him. All of uh, Bieber's velocities, the max are up was half a mile an hour. Uh, but his the slider was down for Stefan, but his whiffs all came on that four seamer. So I don't know, maybe it's getting warmer, velocity's improving, but yeah, you have to just look at the data there and talk about what a performance. I realized I did not do the box score bingo, but we got too much to talk about for those other games to really spend too much time uh, diving into it. And we kind of already went back in time to a degree with Shane Bieber. So we'll see, uh, kind of moving around the overall charting for this one. But I just wanted to talk about that because we're seeing this was a game. Shane Bieber, I don't believe he had struck out nine all year. I could pull up his log. I think he had an eight. His last few starts have been under four. If this team is going to get in a postseason position and not consider trading him, they need more games like this. If they want to trade him and get maximum value, they need more games like this. And it doesn't have to be seven shutout innings. Uh, you can give up two or three runs. That's fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I always take a shutout. But what we need are these high strikeout games. Uh, he struck out nine against Detroit on uh, back in what the his second start in May. Uh, he had a seven strikeout game against Oakland. But we've discussed what Oakland is. And then after that, it's all fours, no sixes, no fives. Uh, so this is his third game of seven or more strikeouts so far this year across 14 starts. That's that's not what you want to see. He's been, again, one of the lowest strikeout guys in baseball, 6.14 heading into today. So a huge game for him in that regard and just a huge Shane Bieber overall performance uh, for the Cleveland Guardians. They got the Padres, as I talked about previously, on deck. Bybee, Musgrove, Savale, Waka, Allen, Darvish. And it's going to be interesting to see if Savale can keep it up, what Logan Allen can do for you, if he can rebound. And if Tanner Bybee is going to keep pushing to be the ace, I mean, after McKenzie's, it's only two starts, small sample size. But if you're looking at, you know, what we've seen throughout the year, one can make a case that Bybee's been their most consistent pitcher over the last month. And then this will be a fun series in Arizona, because again, it lines you up with McKenzie, Bieber, and Bybee, Zach Gallen. 
I'm looking forward to that. And then got to take business care of business in Oakland. A lot of roster moves. We're going to come back after a quick note from some sponsors here. Uh, we already kind of did the going back in time machine beamer. So flip those notes if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and we're going to talk about all the roster moves that went on because there was quite a bit this weekend. I think more than most of us expected. Uh, three guys in and out of the bullpen, a 40 man change, uh, a lot to discuss in a moment on Locked On Guardians. And I want to take a moment and remind everyone to check out this next series starting on Tuesday with the Padres on Sirius XM radio. Just check, not check, type guardians into whatever, into the, whatever you use to listen to Sirius XM, your phone, your computer, guards, guardians. Okay. So let's get into everything that happened. One, nobody wanted to pay Zach Plesak. I'm a little surprised by this. I thought for sure he'd get claimed, but he didn't. No one wanted to pay him. I mean, probably about $2 million. He was paid 2.9 million was his number this year. I assume we're at a point in 2.95. So I assume we're at a point where about a million's been paid. No one viewed what Zach Plesak can do is worth a million, uh, about $2 million. That's kind of crazy for all the teams with pitching, pitching issues. No one wanted to take a $2 million waiver. I mean, wow. He was free to a good home. There was no one who wanted him. I just wonder what the reputation on him is. Um, we know he's been kind of more of a knucklehead than a troublemaker. But I go back to him being let go by his agents a year ago after his latest knucklehead maneuver. Uh, I know he hasn't pitched one AAA, but he has been a pretty reliable fifth starter type. Uh, those guys on the open market, a 4-5, and Cal Gibson got $10 million. That's a lot of money. $2 million, you think, is a worthwhile gamble for a guy who can cut at the end of the year and not pay anything. But no one agreed. So Zach Plesak passes through waivers. He'll get his money. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to look and see if they don't add him back to the roster. Does, you know, does someone jump on him in the rule five? I got to look at the exact rules. Fever dog, let me know. Would he be able to elect free agency? But that that's one of the, the first things that stood out this weekend. Should we talk about maybe to many the most shocking, which was uh, Richie? I'm kidding. It's 99 getting sent down to AAA. And it is interesting to look at the data in that game. Be like, okay, he's the only one who gave up an earned run. He's actually pitched better of late. And if you go and you look up his numbers in June, uh, just in June alone, got the wrong tab open. There we go. 1.08 ERA in five innings, the smallest of sample size. There's only one earned run given up. In about that same range, you have Nick Sandlin at a 2.7, Curry 2.7. Each of them have given up one run. Your your worst pitcher has been Eniel, who's given up five in four innings and Trevor Steffen having given up three and five innings. So why is 99 the sacrificial lamb? Well, one, you just gave Steffen that contract. You believe in him. You're not sending him down. Uh, Class A is of course going nowhere. Eli Morgan, as we stated, has pitched well. And if you send him down, you're going to burn through one of his two options in case something goes sideways. You don't want that. Uh, you're like, well, what about Eniel? Well, he has no options left, so you can't send him down. Henches doesn't have any options either. So that leaves you with Sandlin, 99, and Curry. Curry's your long man. He pitched multiple times. Uh, he pitched, what, Thursday and Friday. Uh, he's kind of the guy back there to eat a lot of innings. It's a different role than 99 has. So you're keeping him up, and he's kind of outpitched him of late. So it kind of came down to Sandlin or 99. And Sandlin's been better over the course of this year. 99's been better lately, but Sandlin, 
in the month of May gave up what like two hits. It hasn't been as clean in June. And there's things for 99 to work on. Uh, for those of you who are like, why do you call him that? Because I have a hard time with his name pronunciation. I get it's the uh, dyslexia thing. Pronunciation is tricky. I get pronunciations even when I hear them all the time confused in my head. So you really didn't have a lot of choices. It was essentially 99 or Sandlin. In that case, I'm saying Sandlin. But I also want to take a moment and say 99 is pitched well. <laughs> they gave a bunch of reasons why he was getting sent down to work on things and things he can. And, and that's fine. I think he's already started to show improvement over this year. He is still probably the worst reliever in terms of what we have seen through the last two months, not just May, which is 11 days for him. It was nine days, uh, which is too small of a sample size, but through the course of this year, he has been their least effective reliever better of late, least effective overall. They needed someone for Saturday for exactly what Tim Heron did, which is go out and pick up three innings and pitch 47 pitches. They needed that. They needed someone to come in and be that rubber armed reliever. He was that. And then it was all biting time for Cody Morris. Cody Morris could be a legitimate weapon in this pen. He's been building up to two to three innings. He could be a piggyback role. He could be a, you know, a setup role. He's going to have a lot of leeway in how they deploy and use him. And he's a reliever for now. Uh, they don't want to completely give up on the idea of him as a starter, which I get, but at the same time, if he goes out and pitches well enough and stays healthy, it just might be a situation where that is now his role. You know, we've seen really, uh, starters come up as relievers. I mean, Jabba Chamberlain's probably the most famous, though he did not stick in that role effectively, uh, you know, after that big year for him. But there have been potential starters who have come up as relievers, been effective in that role, and just stayed there. And there's that chance for Morris, and I think especially with his health issues, if he stays healthy in this role, they might decide, hey, his body works better in a day-to-day -day usage as opposed to a lot of pitches at once. Every pitcher is different. I'll be curious to see how it goes. Morris's stuff is awesome. If he was healthy, he would already be in this rotation if he didn't have his health issues. His what The amount of bats he could miss uh, with what he showed last year and opportunities to start, I think we saw that he was one of their five best starters a year ago. One could make a case he should have started over Savali in the postseason. I, I would have understood someone making that argument. So Morris was coming up. They had to move someone down. 99 has been the less, least effective guy they got. Again, numbers have been tracking up. It's a nice situation to have if you're a team. Maybe someone can become trade fodder to help you get a bat. Uh, let's say Bieber bounces back and this team can all of a sudden start contending for the central game and a half back. I mean, that's not too far back to consider him contenders. You're not trading him then. So who are you trading? Well, maybe you can trade a, a reliever in a three teamer and the right deal. I don't know. We'll get into that in another show. We don't really have the time today, but they do have this depth here and it'll be interesting, which, you know, Quantrell comes back and he's ready and they have all these other pitches, what they're going to do with these players in these roles. You know, see if everyone can continue to pitch at a high level there's injuries, if someone struggles, that'll bear watching. So to get Cody Morris on this team, they had to DFA Richie Palacios. I don't think that should come as a surprise. Uh, Palacios has got a, you know, a, he's got a below 700 OPS in, um, in Columbus, which is a hitter's park. He's been, I think, playing some center field even. They didn't trust him to play a defensive position in the big leagues. I've seen scouting reports that say he didn't have a defensive position, but thought that he might be an effective DH. There are people who really believed in the hit tool. And I think they held on to Palacios longer than most of us expected. I didn't think we thought Plesak 
would be cut before him or lava state. Like he was the guy who we've been, you know, debating um, when they added Gallagher to this roster. He was one of those guys we thought could go then. He stuck around uh, through June. I'll be curious to see. I think someone probably takes a risk on him, gives him like a longer opportunity. He only got 123 plate appearances and those were not contiguous. Those were separated out. He's shown a good approach in the minors. He can get on base. There's a little bit of pop, not a lot, but there's a chance where you can see something like a 55 hit, 50 power, you know, 45 run. That's that's a league average player. The problem is I don't know where you put him defensively, but I mean, I'm kind of curious. I go back. Fangrass had him at 60 speed and 60 potential hit. So that's, that's a starter if that works. Um, but it just hasn't worked in Cleveland. He he's out. He's one of the obvious ones that probably leaves like, you know, Michael Kelly who might get a call up at some point as their depth arm uh, or Jose Tena are probably the two most likely guys to uh, to get that call at some point. But with Morris activated, uh, they don't have to add anyone to this 40 man roster for a while. If Batonfield, when Batonfield comes off, if they choose to add him uh, and not DFA him. He would be a guy who would, uh, you know, need a spot. But other than that, this is a very healthy team, and they don't have anyone else who's currently uh, on the 60-day disabled list that they would need to play that uh, uh, juggling with. Now that Savale and um, McKenzie and now Morris are all off, that's that's everyone on the extended disabled list. So it just comes down to unless you're going to promote someone, and the guys we would typically look at for promotions. You know, Bo Naylor already on the 40 man. Rokia has already been up and down. Um, Valera is already on the 40 man. I know people are going to be like, Gavin Williams. I, I still don't see Gavin Williams this year unless things fall apart a little bit more and they end up going to uh, and trading Bieber. Th- then we can re enter that conversation. But right now, with the five they have plus Quantrell, I, it, it's a hard route to see them adding that. If they really wanted a reliever, Cade Smith is someone I think you consider. But right now, this roster feels kind of set uh, in terms of the 40 man. You know, they'll have to add a Spino at the end of the year. We can have some discussions get close to the year about guys like a Wilfredo and Tunez. But they don't have a ton that they need to add. And it's an interesting situation right now where this roster is kind of set. We kind of know where it is. There's still a few weak spots in it uh, in terms of the 40 man where you can make some moves. So if they, did make a trade and have to add pieces in. You can see how they could add those pieces and players in. Uh, I can't help but look at this roster right now, see David Fry's struggles on Friday and wonder, listen, David Fry is going to stay in that role on this roster until he instead becomes Bo Naylor. They're going to run three catchers the rest of this year. And at some point it'll be Bo Naylor up playing in a similar role to David Fry, maybe playing a little bit more than Fry is, but kind of that, Basically, whichever catcher didn't start that day, one of them is glued to the bench, and then you have a little more flexibility. I'm curious to see when that will be. I really don't know. It is always interesting to see how... I have no idea how to judge when a catcher is ready or not, or how Cleveland judges that. Um, But right now, I think the roster you see, until we hear more about Quantrell, is the roster we're going to see for the foreseeable future. This is where this team is. And... Just a quick note here at the end. If you go and you do, again, smallest of sample sizes, I probably shouldn't even do this, but since the beginning of June, Will Brennan, OPS, over 1,000. Josh Naylor, 993. Jose Ramirez, 990. Josh Bell, 906. Ty Freeman, 812. 
Andres Jimenez, 782. Stephen Kwan, 714. Even Ahmed at a 679. That's higher than Straw. That's higher than Gabby Arias. I still think Ahmed plus Gabby Arias would be a killer platoon. Just going to keep stating that. Catching, yeah, not not so much. That, that's been an out-and-out disaster. But the rest of this team, you look at your first base DH is working out right now. Brennan is is put a lock on the corner outfield spot. Uh, Jose is looking like Jose again. Jimenez is showing signs of life, hoping he's not out with injury. Quan is fine. You know, Freeman in this bench role is great. Uh, you're hoping to see a little bit more with Ahmed and Straw and Gabby. We'll have to see. Catcher, black hole. Just can't help but feel like boy Sean Murphy would look nice right now. on the Heck, Blake Sable, who was a Rule 5 pick by the Giants, looked nice right now. But, uh, yeah, it's a good situation if you're a Cleveland Guardians fan. it's You see the direct routes of what they need. They see what this team probably should consider chasing, looking at considering as they're moving forward. Uh, there are the soft spots, but right now this team is playing well. This team looks like the team of a year ago. They do not look like the team they were for the first two months of the year where they were kind of a bumbling mess. And towards the end of May, we saw them start to come together, start to get a little better. And as I said at the start, last five series, they've won four and they have the split with Minnesota. Padres are coming to town who... You know, I've had their own sets of struggles. Juan Soto, I believe, was uh, a little bit behind. They're currently about, they have this, you know, three games that are 500, like Cleveland. Uh, Soto's finally performing. I just know he started the year with a, a little bit of some struggles, but you can ignore what I stated there. He's up to a, a 147, so he's been more than fine for a bit. He might be the best pure hitter on the planet. Machado's great. There's a lot of d- dangerous hitters. Get to see Gary Sanchez again, who's playing very well for them. But... Or another team that is a little bit disappointing after making the postseason a year ago, but is playing much, much better of late. So can Cleveland keep their winning ways alive? Tomorrow I'm going to talk with uh, Javi of Locked On Padres. We're going to get into it. where We will continue to do the solo show approach. So let me know what it is you would like to talk about or hear me discuss on the show. And all as I always end every show, I want to thank you for listening, reading, and reviewing, downloading. It helps. And go, go, Guardians, go.